Welcome back into the Plank Show, Hour 3, as we are live. We're on the road, baby. Cavens Disaster Response Group, Water, Fire, Mold, Storm Damage, Crime Scene, they've got you covered. You heard Gary earlier. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Cavens Group, and they'll help you better understand ways to avoid disasters or how to mitigate them when they take place. Man, I am really struggling, Josh, in my upset special this week. I have gone three straight weeks without even registering a point. No, let me rephrase that. Two straight weeks without registering a point. I got my lock three weeks ago. You know, I think. I think. I, I was close to being on that steely bandwagon last week. Right. I'll be, I'll be totally transparent with you, but I uh, I couldn't withstand the ridicule of the ref army, so I, I, I cowered out. And uh, and did not pull the trigger on Oklahoma State. I, it just sort of had the makings of a good upset special pick. I was hoping to be dead wrong on it, but would have been right. So, Oops, sorry. But what are you thinking this week? I I kind of like Penn State over Michigan, though they've not been able to solve either Michigan or Ohio State. I think just oh. the Happy Valley piece of it, I kind of like it. But uh, I like it. I like it. Here's here's what, and I've gone three straight weeks without a point. My last point I got in the Ref Royal Rumble, was locking uh, Tennessee. Locking Tennessee. That was my my best pick. I'm looking at Indiana plus 6.5 at Illinois. Now, remember, these have to be underdogs of five or more. I'm looking at Wyoming plus 5.5 at UNLV. Uh, who do I, who's at Arizona? How could this? you pick those games? Do you watch any of those teams? I watched Wyoming this past weekend because everyone had them in their upset special, <laughs> and uh, they were they were terrible. But I've also watched UNLV, and I think they're equally terrible. But and part of this is that Arnie Spanier hunch. I'm just that's how I feel. Yeah, don't need a good reason. Just now, feel this I got to be honest with you. I haven't watched a ton of Indiana, but I saw they kept the game tight a couple weeks ago, and I know Illinois stinks. So I was kind of counting on you for that Indiana-Illinois one, what you thought. And Indiana won last week, right, over Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. was there a, a big-time uh, big upset. I would not pick them. Okay. Colorado plus 10.5 against Arizona. Trying, Sam- to, trying to fight for bowl eligibility. They're right? running out of time if they don't get this game. Arizona kind of feeling themselves and come to find out they're really not that good. Sam Houston plus seven and a half against La Tech. I saw Sam Houston play two weeks ago and they won, so and I think that's their only win this year. And also I picked Louisiana Tech twice in my as my upset special and they've hurt me both times. So I figure I'm gonna show them. Josh, why do I want to pick Miami to beat Florida State? Rivalry. It's in Tallahassee. Florida State still got injury concerns at the receiver position. Pitt played them tight. It's like a Mario Cristobal special. When they get a win like this, I, I'm kind of thinking that might be the direction I end up going here. But those are my five candidates right now. I'm not even getting started how on the about, lock until tomorrow. How about, we were talking about this game earlier, uh, off the air, if that number balloons up to five, Texas Tech and Lawrence? Texas Tech's beating Kansas this weekend. So if I can get that number up to five, it opened at four and a half. I just, I think Taj Brooks might run for 300 yards against Kansas this weekend. I just don't think they're going to have an answer for him. Now, this game could be like 60 to to 57 or something like that. 
But yeah, is, I think uh, I think they're beating Kansas. Is the Sunflower Showdown next week or later? Next weekend. Yeah. So yeah, you got to look ahead at play a little bit. In fact, I might lock Texas Tech this weekend. That's a four and five team versus seven and two. I know, I know. I get it. It's crazy talk. Just I love me some Taj folks. I think he's gonna have a good weekend. All right. Um oh I just threw my notepad away. We need to do the top five stories today. So here we go. Top five stories today, live from Cavens on a Thursday. Brought to you by why did I just play? It's time Newcastle for the Casino. top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107, 14 different table games to choose from, an OTB, and great food and drink. Front row sports bar, uh, other options throughout, happy hour daily, 3 to 6. Check them out, newcastlecasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. All right, let's go. High school football starts tonight on krefsports.tv. According to Connor Pasby, we have one big game to listen to. Watch tonight at krefsports.tv. Broken Arrow versus Norman North. And then tomorrow on our broadcast platform, every game starts at 7 at krefsports.tv. Edmund North versus Norman North. Enid at Edmund Santa Fe. Mustang at Westmore with Piedmont at Elgin. Piedmont at Elgin. Any of those jump to the top of your mind? Any of those intriguing? Well, I think Norman's got a, a chance to beat Broken Arrow tonight, and uh, I do like I do like Norman North to uh, take care of Edmund North tomorrow. I'm just excited to get it underway, man. The playoffs playoffs are here. KRefSports.tv. We got a ton of high school coverage for you, and for Oklahoma fans, uh, as I've been pointing out this morning. You want to see what maybe the future looks like? Mason James just earned the OU offer with Norman North. He is a tremendous football player. Individually, easily uh, the best player that I've broadcast at Norman North since the Charlie Collards, Drake Stoops of the world. No doubt. Watch him. KRFSports.tv. But it gets underway tonight. 7 o'clock, BA versus Norman. And uh, I'm excited for my Washington Warriors to get things going tomorrow night. All right, big story number four. Number four. All right, the Thunder off to a great start. They take care of business they last night. They this game up by as many as 17, and they win it 128-120, a pick on center, capping a 3-3 three and three six-game season-long homestand. Uh, and, of course, they had beaten Cleveland earlier this year when they played him. This was uh, this was not very high on my watch depth chart last night. I don't know why. It was one of those things where I was uh, I was doing some work on the OU West Virginia game, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, dang, man, the Thunder are on. So I watched them uh, take complete control of Cleveland and pretty much dominate them last night. Final score, Jared, 128-120. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 43 last night, so... Uh, of course, all the talking heads are laying out is that the Lakers lost by 34. And now how a team that is three, eight games in the season, Josh, did we overestimate the Lakers? Who cares? You're it's eight games early. into a season. Too early for that. Thunder are uh, five and three on the season. The uh, distribution for the Thunder. Okay, see, are they, they're not on YouTube TV. Are they not? Is that right? Help me out, people. I, I I don't know. I don't. I'll have to claim ignorance on that front. 
Now, I do know that they uh, get back in action in the in-season tournament group play on Friday night at 9 o'clock in Sacramento. So I'm kind of excited to see how we uh, paint up the Sacramento Kings court. But, yeah, I don't know. Because I've had – I don't know about you. I've been trying to watch on the app a lot this year, and it sucks. I mean, I understand that we our app will break down sometimes, but literally it never works for me. It never works, Josh. The Bally Sports app might have been the worst creation in the history of ever. Sorry, Bally Sports. Get your stuff together, please. But, yeah, I don't know about YouTube TV. Have you been unable to get them? Yeah, unless they're on a national broadcast. Huh. So, which, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'll probably, you know, I'm, I'm going to make the, the moves here, the necessary <laughs> moves to to get that situated but uh, it'd be more convenient if they were just right there available Mm. big story number three number three all right let's get to the nfl where tonight i know you all are exciting i I excited i can sense it i can sense the energy the chicago bears and the carolina panthers if you thought you people if you thought Josh Helmer, that Al Michaels was grumpy whenever he's doing some of these other games and that he doesn't have the same juice that he needs to have to call games. I don't think tonight's going to change that. The Bears are 2-7. and seven. The Panthers are 1-7. and seven. And honestly, if you're the Bears, I mean, listen, if you just want to think about this from a, a true logical perspective, You want the Panthers to keep losing. So this is a big game for Chicago, seeing that they control the Carolina Panthers' first-round draft pick. You want to beat them. You want them to go 1-16 so you can have the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams. Well, you have officially talked me into the idea of picking Chicago tonight. If you are on the mountain, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family of the T-Row in the morning show. If you are on the mountain and you haven't picked the Chicago Bears yet, this might be the best opportunity to take them. This is it. It's so tough to trust them, though. It's, I know. It's fully possible that Carolina is going to win this game. Toby said a lot of people have been taking the Cowboys this weekend. Well, I think they're the biggest uh, in terms of the – Numbers, I think they've got the largest spread in their favor this week over the Giants. 17. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge number. number. As Arnie Spanier would tell you, Josh, it's a give me for the Cowboys this weekend. And I watched every snap of the New York Giants last week. They, um, they're not good. They're not good. Why are they so bad? I mean, how have they been this bad for this long? I, I keep coming back to that with the New York teams. There's signs of life, though, right, with the Jets. Well, and by the way, you want to back up a little bit? The Giants won a playoff game last year. That's like craziness, right? Yeah. The New York Giants made the playoffs last year. And now are terrible. And now they're a 2-7 and seven football team. Yeah. Well, that's a good point you, you, you make. It shows how, how fleeting their success right. has been in my eyes. I, I, was, I was listening. I'm a big uh, – I think it's 580 Nate and I that like Tom Byrne over on Mad Dog Radio – and they were having the debate as to whether or not Brian Dayball has used up all his goodwill after going 9-7 and seven last year. 9-7-1 and one 
was their record. They beat the the Vikings in the playoffs, and they got smoked by the Eagles. But, yeah, the Cowboys will beat them by 100. If you haven't used the Cowboys, I would suggest either the Cowboys or the Bears. A lot of people like the Bengals this week as well. Who's Cincinnati got this weekend? They, they host the Texans, which – CJ I don't I don't like that. I don't like that at all. If given the choice, you'd take the Cowboys for sure. Sure, sure. If you're taking the Bengals this week, you might get knocked off that mountain. I'm just telling you right now, Houston's good. Y'all saw it last week. Y'all saw it last week. It's a good football team. They've already hit their over, I think, win total, too. I think they got, like, one more game. All right, so, so NFL, quickly to recap tonight, NFL, Panthers at Bears, 7-15 kick on prime. All right, big story number two. Number two, I feel like we've done a good job of not obsessing over this, Josh. But the latest news involving Michigan versus the Big Ten is fascinating. Because according to, I guess they leaked this letter to every single person that is covering this story. But Michigan sent a very, what's the best way to put this, confrontational letter to the Big Ten that basically, uh, well, it threatened them. It threatened them. It was like, hey, you want to come after us? Well, just understand the understand that we feel like you're not doing your job and we're going to fight to the end. Earlier today on, I believe this was on Get Up, Heather Dinich, when she's not nonstop covering the college football playoff committee, her and Adam Rittenberg and Tom Van Heeren have been all over this. The conference commissioner is not at the college football playoff meetings in Dallas where all of his commissioner peers are because he has some other things to attend to. And what's going on right now is Michigan's letter, the 10-page letter that it sent back urging due process. One source told ESPN that Michigan is not bringing a knife to a gunfight on this. So there's also Michigan state legislatures, lawmakers who have also told Big and Commissioner Tony Petiti to urge him to follow due process. Now, there are two separate things going on here. The NCAA is doing its own investigation. My understanding is that the Big Ten has not initiated its own investigation. It's relying on information it has gathered from the NCAA in part and following other reports that have come out. But the sense is that the Big Ten has enough information to prove that Michigan broke its sportsmanship policy by illegally stealing signs. My sources are telling me that no evidence has come through yet that shows Jim Harbaugh knew about this or orchestrated it, but the Big Ten will point to the NCAA rule that says even if a head coach doesn't know about it, he is responsible for the actions of his staff. Michigan is expected to really push back on this, and they are working with a pricey law firm in D.C. to have some legal action if needed. Man, that's a pretty good breakdown. Uh, any potential discipline from Tony Petiti is not expected until later today. It's unknown as of now what the potential penalties could be. Slap on the wrist. You think so? Yeah, as soon as there's a, a legal representation for the University of Michigan, yeah, uh, these always uh, seem to wind up where we don't wind up with a bunch of punishments. Uh, did I talk about this yesterday? Jeff Schwartz, I worked with the uh, Oregon alum. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast. He and I worked together on a show Tuesday night, Josh, and he brought up a point that was really good. 
He said, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone muddy the waters more than Michigan has in this story. He goes, it's absolutely. In fact, they've muddied the waters so much that we're almost confused about what the actual rule is, right? (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, what? So hold on here. They advanced scouted, and that's wrong. But now, now apparently Rutgers and Ohio State had handed over information to Purdue, which in their mind they see as more damning than any accusation against Michigan because there you have coaches who have professionally broke down the signs and figured it all out. That's much more damning than what we did. So kudos to Michigan in making this a mess. All right, um, anything else to add to it from the Iowa side that you've heard or seen? Not really. Uh, I don't think anybody's been stealing Iowa signs. they got a pretty good idea what <laughs> Iowa's doing. But uh, is there going to be anything that happens to Ohio State or Rutgers? It doesn't really sound like there's much momentum there, at least yet. As it stands right now, their claim, their, their being Michigan or the Michigan man's, their claim is that there is you know, evidence of this and there's collusion and they've turned it in, but I, I don't feel like that's getting much run, and I think if there was more to it, it would be out there everywhere, right? Yeah, and the fact that Michigan uh, obviously has been under investigation for a couple of items recently, <laughs> I don't think anybody's r- rushing to Michigan's defense, right, to find out what everybody else is doing before they solve what's going on with uh, Michigan. All right, big story, number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Well, we're getting set for Oklahoma and West Virginia. You heard in the 10 o'clock hour from Brandon Hall. You heard from Emmett Jones. Let's hear from Neil Brown. What is the West Virginia coach? Think about Oklahoma. We'll dive into that next right here. So we're live from Cavens. Top five stories of the day in the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back to the home of Sooner fans. It is The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Uh, 405-651-3439. I got a little bit of Neil Brown that I want to get to. The problem is when I went to pull the file, it's like 9 billion megabytes. So it's taken a while. We'll get to it coming up in just a bit. Um. Let's hit the text line, shall we, Josh? 405-651-3439. It is, without a doubt, the best way to stay in touch with the ref. Now, among the conversation pieces that we've had throughout the show today, you know, we went back earlier in the program and we talked about the Brent Venables quote, and I, I wrote it down, there's an area of our team that has to get better. They need to conv- continue to develop a position. And – he, was, he wasn't specific, and I think he even went as far as saying, hey, I'm not going to get into it here. But I, 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 loved, I loved how in-depth we got on it. Um, Empire Will writes, regardless of who is playing corner, we can't keep giving 10-yard cushions every stinking play. I honestly think that that's just... That's a big-time credit to Alan Bowman. I know, right? It sucks, and we do need to have tighter, more effective play at corner. But I think I even heard Teddy say it. You look back on Saturday, Josh, the best player on the field was Alan Bowman. I mean, he was, at least at the start of the game, he was sensational. 
And it shocked the heck out of me because in my mind, you know, you look at all those numbers and if you told me Alan Bowman had to throw the ball that much, I would have thought we that Oklahoma would have won the game going away. And yet, yeah, he was very effective. And obviously what Rashad Owens had a, a game that probably surprised quite a few people uh, in Bedlam. I do agree with that sentiment, though, that I'd like to see Oklahoma just be a little bit more physical with, with receivers at the line of scrimmage and less cushion and just force those guys to go beat you. And if they beat you, then guess what? They beat you. Right now, you've not necessarily been great in the coverage game anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. You know, this spawned from the debate of is this is this basically – a conversation about the corner position, right? Is this when when Brent Venables talks about a position of the field that needs to improve, you know, where we were debating, and that's kind of where it came from. It's like, is it corner? And then that opened up a lot of conversations about where they are as far as the corner is concerned. Um, the 405, unfortunately, we have multiple areas or positions that come to mind on this topic, kicker, center, tight end. I don't think center's been that bad, but the problem is, I mean, it's it's the most noticeable thing, and in one of the biggest moments, it was screwed up, right? I mean, there's no other way to put it. Well, and, and, and the snaps have been an issue over the course of the year, and at times, I mean, think back, what, to the uh, – was it the Cincinnati game? And Gabriel did a great job just chucking the football out of bounds. I mean, it's been an issue. Right. It, so basically what we're saying is the most glaring ones happened this past week. Right, because you got burnt. Right. But it's been an issue throughout the season. Uh, Julio, I think he's talking about tight end. I went back and rewatched the game this week, and it seemed as if Stog missed three blocks that resulted in tackles for losses. Three is all I noticed. There could have been more. And Eric and Lindsay, very in-depth. Very in-depth here, and I like it. Tell me what you think of this, Josh. It's the area of offensive coordination. If we were better there, we're 9-0. If it was a position group, he would have said it. Well, can, can I jump in there real quick? He did say it. He literally said it's a position group that they're trying to develop better. Yeah, Garen asked him to clarify. Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly what he said, Eric. Now, I like your point. So I'm going to jump back into it. But literally, he said it's a position group that has to get better. Unless, yeah, he wouldn't. Nope. In, unless he's referring to the offensive play caller as a position, which I, I, I inferred as well, like you, that he was talking about a specific position group. True. He was not. Uh, he would not call it a coach. Over the last two seasons, we have improved an area in every area an aspect of the game, except with our offensive coordinator. That's where we need the most improvement. The whole team still does and always will need improvement, but the offensive coordinator position is the most lacking, in my opinion. I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens over these last three games. And I guess we've decided that the bad guy here is Lebs. And every, every year, every team has a bad guy. 
the guy that regardless of how great things or how, and obviously when how bad things are going, is the problem. And if you f- get rid of that, you're fine. What's our guy, Trey, on the text line? He's He has been set from day one, even at 7-0, and that the bad guy and the problem here is Dylan Gabriel. There is probably about 8,000 texts that he sends to the show to back that up throughout the day, not just ours, throughout the day. There's others that will come in and say, well, the defense was great, but in the biggest moment, he gave up a 97-yard drive. Why isn't X player? Or why isn't Brent getting more heat for it? Right? And in the sense, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Right? I'm not. I'm not trying to argue the point with you that. Oh, how dare you? But it just seems, for some reason, Josh, that most of the frustration falls right in the lap of Jeff whenever, <laughs> whenever things go wrong for the team, and that's the. That's the burden you bear. Is that am I saying the bear you burden? Burden you bear. Whenever you're an offensive coordinator for a for a blue blood, that is expected to win championships. Yes, that is the cross you bear. Cross you bear. Burn you bear. Cross you bear. Uh, the nine one eight says, "I one hundred percent believe he is talking about the defensive line. We haven't been able to get pressure the last two games." The broken arrow fat boy writes, "Perhaps the quarterbacks." wouldn't have so many problems if the defensive line could put more pressure on the quarterback, two more, Chris in Chicago. The fact that there isn't a consensus says there is work to be done at every level. All positions can self-reflect with the way he stated it. And then finally, the 9-1-0, Wilmington, North Carolina. Tell me what you think about this perspective, Josh. Okay. As a former defensive-minded head coach, my instinct is wide receiver. When the head coach is involved, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I completely looked at that and, and read the wrong thing. I don't even know how I did that. My instinct is running back, is what he said. How can I look at RB and say wide receiver? I don't know, but you, reset here. Okay, I'm sorry, in three, two, one. As a former defensive-minded head coach, my instinct is running back. When the head coach is involved with the defense, you have control and knowledge to help develop. When you're not as involved in the offense, you become more critical because you're not there to help fix it, but you expect it. The quick hook on running back has eliminated any development of that position. What do you think of Coach Jay's perspective on that? Pretty good, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it's good, and the the quick hook – unfortunately has has been a theme for Oklahoma because at times just nobody's taken it and, and won the job so to speak and you can you can understand or follow the logic where a defensive minded head coach plank is concerned with okay why can we not possess the football better why can we not be more effective running the ball but i would say this to the defensive line conversation <laughs> It's easy for me to talk myself into that because, again, I go back to the fourth down play versus Kansas. You're going to win the game if you get home, and you couldn't do that. And uh, obviously there's a number of different examples versus Oklahoma State where just collectively against Mm. uh, the Cowboys, you just weren't very good up front. Good stuff on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Keep it coming, 405-651-3439. We're at Cavens on a Thursday. When we come back, Neil Brown right here on The Ref. All right, let's hear what Neil Brown has to say about the Sooners. To, uh, to Oklahoma. And another week, another really tough test. Uh, this time we're going on the road. Um, 
to play one of the top programs in the country. And it's on primetime TV again. Uh, it's one. It's it's at one of the top venues in the country to play. And so our guys will be fired up. Uh, great respect for Coach Venables. Um, went against him a number of times now. And uh, uh, really good person. Uh, he's done really good. I think his defensive work speaks for itself. And, and he's got that program headed in the right direction. When you look at him, Special teams-wise, what sticks out is um, their specialists are good. You know, they went out and got some in the portal, and and they're really good. Uh, their kicker returns. Um, he he's got a strong leg. He's been really good on field goals. Uh, they use a right-footed and a left-footed punter, so we have to really pay attention uh, to who's in the game there. They're dangerous a returner. Uh, Farouk at is a really strong receiver, and he's really good at kickoff return. Uh, he kind of he's a big kid, but he runs like a running back. A really natural player. Uh, offensively, uh, Levy does a great job. He's been doing it at a bunch of different places now, uh, UCF and Ole Miss and, and uh, now at Oklahoma. They play as fast as anybody in the country, so uh, alignment's going to be critical. Um, they move their pieces around. You know, uh, Drake Stoops is a guy that he, he's kind of their jack-of-all-trades. He does a little bit of everything, and he's playing at a high level right now. Uh, they're balanced. Um, they're always good up front. I think Bill um, Bill does as good a job um, from a recruiting and then developing those guys. And it seems like he has a couple NFL players every single every single year. And uh, their right tackle will be a first round pick. This is the fourth, and I think this speaks to our league. People don't you know don't talk about this probably, but this is the fourth first round pick on you know potential first rounder we're going to play on an opposing team's offensive line. And uh, and so, um, but Bill does a really good job. They're they're a group that challenges in a lot of different ways with RPOs and and in uh, in the run in the pass. And then you know, last but definitely um, their most important cog is their quarterback. You know, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he's played at a high level. He can run. Um, he's got a really quick release. Um, kids won. You know, both at UCF and at Oklahoma. So uh, a lot of respect for him. Defensively, they're multiple. Uh, they're going to put pressure on you, uh, mix up the coverages. I think that unit takes the really takes the personality of their leader, and that's Coach Venables. And they're attacking. Um, they you can see that uh, that they're they're enjoying playing for him. They uh, they'll mix in some man, some zone. Um, but the one thing they're constantly going to do is is get hats to the football. And so, um, again, big challenge. Uh, we're looking forward to get on the road. We've played back-to-back nail biters versus these guys, and and uh, don't expect anything less uh, when we go go out to Norman. So, with that, questions. Yeah, Neil, um, was that truly a nine-minute and forty-nine-second opening statement? Uh, it really was. I cut off a little bit there for you guys. You got a good two minutes. So you you heard the familiarity that Neil Brown has. He I think he's coached with Bill Beanbow. I know he's coached with Brandon Hall. Brandon was with him at Troy, uh, where Neil Brown had a lot of success. In fact, he went from Troy to West Virginia. So it's it's a it's a good football team, and I mean I expect Oklahoma to beat them, but it's a just a really good football team coming in that through its roller coasters has started to find itself a little bit. The final score of the Oklahoma State game is incredibly deceiving. Not to minimize anything Oklahoma State did, but I think OSU fans would agree. Uh, in that fourth quarter, they hit two big plays, and, and West Virginia just wilted. That was a tight game in the fourth quarter. So it's a good football team coming in. And, Josh, at least from what everyone is telling us, what, probably the best offensive line that Oklahoma's going to play this year? So better get nasty up front. Yeah. Better, uh, 
bring a little attitude and obviously stopping the quarterback run game is going to be incredibly paramount in this game. Yeah, no, no question. You have, you know, last year, last year it looked like Oklahoma was going to run West Virginia out of Milan Pushkar Stadium. I mean, it looked like Oklahoma was going to, you know, I, I hate using this kind of analogy. It looks like they were going to hurt JT Daniels, and it looked like Oklahoma would just be able to name its number. And then they brought in Garrett Green, and he made things happen. C.J. Donaldson is by far one of my my favorite backs to watch in the Big 12. 147 carries, 676 yards this year, nine touchdowns. I don't think he played last year against Oklahoma, but you know, all week long I've said it between Green and Donaldson. They've got a nice one-two punch in that backfield, and you know where Oklahoma did a nice job. Last year, or last week against Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon, they got to be as good this year, this week too. Especially get that offensive line that West Virginia has is infinitely better than Oklahoma State's. Now, it hasn't necessarily resulted in wins and losses for them. That's a good physical offensive line. It's one of the cool success stories in the Big 12 this year. Right, Josh? I mean, here's Neil Brown who came in on the hot seat. We talked with Jed Renning about it yesterday. I'm I'm not saying that I'm not saying that West Virginia is a slam dunk to to keep Neil Brown, but to me Oklahoma or excuse me Neil Brown what he's done at West Virginia, I up to this point he saved his job. I mean there's some big wins there for for West Virginia this year. Yeah, and they've clearly improved. Sure. Which I mean look it was he was at the point where it was beyond. Does the team appear improved, right? I mean, he needed defined results, and they've gotten both. They've gotten both. Mm. So there's a quick little snapshot more in depth on Neil Brown. Final thoughts coming up next, presented by Primrose Funeral Home, as we're hanging out at Cavens Group on a Thursday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. One final time, we're back with you. Mop and Roofing brings us this final hour of the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Chris Plank, hanging out with you, the Ref Army. To the text line we go, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, to put a bow tie on this thing. That's 405-651-3439. Joe in Tulsa. Guys, running without Stogner could be better. You could put a fourth receiver out there. It causes the defense to defend that and move a guy out of the box. They would have to take out their third backer, put a defensive back on our fourth receiver. The defense would be a little more spread out, and the middle would be a little more open. There you go, Joe. Put in the application, baby. Go be the OC. (laughs) The job should be open soon, right? (laughs) Right, according to some. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, I mean, you think that would be the case, but you also have to – it's just not that simple, I would assume. Though it is kind of frustrating whenever you see some of the adjustments that have been made across the country and people feel like there's not enough of an adjustment that's been made here, right? All right, where do you want to go next? You want to get one more in here from uh, the text line? John from Tulsa. I think this year really shows how important it is to recruit these offensive line and defensive line kids out of high school. They are much more complex positions than people think, and bringing in transfers to fill roles on the line conflicts uh, coaching style schemes and doesn't allow for chemistry to pop until much later in the season. I think that's what they're trying to do. right? I think that's what the hope is 
with the development of the foundation of the last two recruiting classes under Brent Venables, right? I mean, you're starting to see big-time defensive linemen. Jackson Stone next year. Jonathan Jackson, uh, Jackson, David Stone next year. Maybe maybe there's a transfer that pops in from someone that you were recruiting heavily. Um, and you've got guys like P.J. Adebar away. Um, I, I guess you could throw Grayson Halton in that mix, right? As guys that you look at and you hope the future on that defensive line, edge and interior. But I, I think what you're talking about is what this staff wants to do in the trenches, right? They want, they want to be able to just sprinkle in a little bit of the transfer portal and have the foundation built through their recruiting classes. And honestly, I don't, I don't think this is a matter of, of the guys out of the portal playing poorly. I think Rondell Bothroyd has been fantastic. Um, I think Dejon Terry has played pretty well, you know, in the interior. But obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about. All right, then for the Primrose Funeral Services, final thoughts. Primrose Funeral Services, plan now. It's not an easy conversation. It's not a fun conversation, but it's a, ne- it's a necessity. 405-321-6000. They have flexible uh, plans. They have a celebration of life center. But more importantly, they have a way that you can pre-plan so you can take that burden off your family. 405-321-6000, primrosefuneralservices.com. Now, my final thoughts are on two text messages here. First, uh, the 918 asks, is the Loves Field Project on schedule? Yes. From everything I've been told, yes. Now, i got to be honest with you, construction is squirrely. <laughs> you, you, things can happen in a heartbeat. I remember I remember when the BOK Center was being built, there were several people that said, hey, they've screwed this thing up. Um, they've set their timeline back maybe six months because they've had like a miscalculation on where certain things have to connect, and they've just made a big mistake, and it's going to take six months. Well, lo and behold, that. It, it, it only set things back like a week. So that that's where I kind of learned that, okay, reporting and trying to understand construction out of my specialty, out of my range of understanding. But everything that I've heard is that it's on time. Have you heard anything differently? I'm going off what you're telling me, man. Okay, okay. So that, uh, that sounds good to me. I didn't know if there was anything out there. You know, we have a lot of softball insiders, right? And I just kind of follow what they're telling me. But I've, I've always thought the opener might be a little too ambitious, but uh, I definitely think they're playing there at some point this season. But from what you're saying and what others are saying, they're thinking they're going to open there, which is great. Yeah, and that would be uh, the first weekend of March is what it looks like. If that Well, not first week. March 10th, is that what Louisiana Lafayette released on their schedule? And then – you know, the other part of it is last year I had a friend of mine that uh, works in the sport, not necessarily with Oklahoma, but works within the sport. And she came to me and she goes, why are they saying that Love's Field isn't going to be ready until the postseason next year? And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I because it's that. tough to get all these things built and <laughs> properly installed. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And then Jeff from OKC asks, what sideline are you going to miss? What sideline are you glad you don't have to go to again? And what sideline are you looking forward to being on in the SEC? Oh, man. Oh. What a question. Perfect for Primrose Funeral Services' final thoughts, huh? What sideline am I going to miss? 
Um, Kansas State. Kansas State gives you a lot of room. There's, I think it's a track that goes around the field, and you got plenty of space. I love having space behind the benches to move around and get from one side to the other. And meanwhile, it's typically, at least early, a very good environment. Right, it's a great environment. Their, their fans aren't a-holes. Like, I'm not going to miss TCU or, or Baylor because they have their fans right on you. And for Christian schools, not a lot of Christians uh, in the front row on game days. Those uh, those Baptists down at Baylor, man, they uh, they need a little church after the game on Saturday is all I'm saying. But uh, when you ask what sideline are you glad you don't have to go to again, oh, it's Stillwater. Now, I'm going to miss the people of Stillwater a lot. I, I, I have a true deep-rooted friendship and, and a love for a lot of the people that work at OSU and work around that program, but their sideline stinks. It stinks. It's terrible. There's no room. There is uh, You have to walk through a stairwell to get from one side to the other, and you got the paddle people that are still right there on top of you trying to reach out just far enough maybe to get a little bit of you. And what sideline are you looking forward to in the SEC? Oh, man, come on. Baton Rouge at night. Bring it on. Death Baton Valley. Rouge at night. They call it Death Valley. That's your final thoughts, courtesy of Primrose Funeral Service. We close the laptop. Steel man waiting in the wings. We'll see you at Beanstalk Coffee tomorrow. Oh, one of my favorite places. Uh, and their new location on the east side. So join me tomorrow from 9 to noon as we have an OEC Fiber Football Friday. Until then, stick around. Steel man's coming up next from here at Cavens on the home of Sooner fans.